Psalms 119, I want to read verse 18. I'm going to read it twice. I'm going to read it New King James Version, then I want to read it New Living Translation. New King James Version, verse 18 said, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. New Living Translation said this, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I want to preach and teach this morning on acres of diamonds. Acres of diamonds. You see, this verse said, open my eyes so I can see the wonderful truths. Sometimes we get so bogged down with the storms of life that all we see is the bad, the negative, and the storms that are trying to destroy us from every side. But if God opens your eyes to see things that you wouldn't normally see, there could be wonderful things all around you that you don't even know about. There could be things all around you that you have no idea of. There could be wonderful things in your family that you're not seeing right now. There could be wonderful things in the job that you're on right now. There could be wonderful things in your marriage that you haven't seen because you've let, you've let things get clouded because of hurts or betrayals or unforgiveness. There may be some wonderful things that you've not seen involving the present situation that you're in, even though it doesn't look like much, and even though it looks like it's, it's a dead-end situation and nothing to offer but hurt and disappointment. But when God opens your eyes, He can reveal wonderful things, not just challenges, but wonderful things to lift up your heart. God has to open our eyes for us to be able to see those wonderful things. Some years ago, I heard a story that I believe speaks to us this morning, and it pricked my heart, and I want to share it with you. A man by the name of Russell Conwell was in the Middle East back in 1840. As he was touring the Holy Land by camel and he was going all over with a guide and he was sleeping and staying in a tent, but he was touring the Holy Land. One night as they sat around a campfire, his Arabic guide began to tell him a story. It was about a man in South Africa by the name of Ali Hafed. He lived on his own farm where he had a plow. He had an ox, maybe a mule. He had an old cabin that was small but yet sufficient. He had several acres of land. He was farming the land, raising produce to feed his family and to sell to the market so that he would have an income to help support his family. He wasn't a wealthy man. He didn't have a whole lot, but yet he made a good living farming the land. But it was hard work, and he worked hard every day of his life by the sweat of his brow and the calluses in his hands. Back then, there were no tractors, no modern technology. He pushed the plow with an ox to plow up the fields to be able to plant his crops. One day, a man came by his farm, just passing through, just traveling around, and the man saw how hard the farmer had worked to make a living. 
The man said, it's a shame that you have to work so hard, but you could go to India, for they've discovered diamond mines there. There's a place called Valley of the Moon between two mountains that all you have to do is just stand in the stream and reach down and pull out diamonds the size of rocks. And a person can become wealthy in a matter of no time. You'll have all the wealth you want. That night the farmer went to bed. He couldn't sleep. He tossed and he turned and all he could think about was that stream. All he could think about was those diamonds. All he could think about was how hard he's worked and how much he sacrificed and how hard all things have been in his life. And so he decided when he got up the next morning, he decided that he was going to sell his farm. He was going to go to India and find his fortune in the streams of diamonds that he was told about by this traveler. So he sold the farm, told his wife and kids, I have you a temporary place to stay until I come back. He kissed his wife goodbye and he said, When I come back, you'll be a wealthy woman. You'll sit on thrones and you'll feel like royalty. So he went to India. He used the money that he got from selling the farm and he searched and he searched, but he did not find any diamonds. He ended up in Europe and in a moment of desperation he wrote a suicide note that said there are no diamonds anywhere. He sent it to his wife and then he dove into a raging river in Spain and he took his life. It's a sad story but yet it's a true story. But what happened after that was amazing because the man that bought the farm took that same plow, he took that same ox, the same rough terrain, moved his family into that same little cabin that wasn't a whole lot to look at, but yet it was sufficient, and he started working the same farm. Now amazingly, as he plowed the fields, the most aggravating things began to happen. As he plowed, he kept hitting these rocks and he would have to stop and he'd have to move them out of the way and so he could keep on plowing and they were everywhere and he was stopping every few minutes moving these rocks and he would just have to throw them over to the side and there was big piles of these rocks all through the fields and as he was, as he was trying to plow to plant his crops. But while he was plowing, he hit one particular rock. And when he went over to move it and to put it on the pile with the rest of them, it looked a little different. It was dark black in color. And when the sun hit it, you could see all the colors of the rainbow in it. So he took it home. He put it on the mantle above the fireplace because he thought it was just a beautiful rock. It was a decoration. It was a trinket that he put on the mantle of his little cabin that was there in that field and in that land. But one day the local priest came by to welcome this man and his family into the community. He wanted to come by and say hello, introduce himself. He wanted to invite them to church. 
But as the priest was talking with the farmer, he saw the rock sitting on the mantle. His jaw dropped to the floor. He asked the farmer, where did you get that rock? The man said, oh, I got it out of my field. They're everywhere out there. I have stacks of them and stacks of them, and they're everywhere. And the priest said, you don't understand. That is a diamond in the rough. That's a diamond. Sure enough, he took it. He had it analyzed, and that one rock, that one diamond in the rough was worth $25,000 in 1840, which would be millions of dollars in today's economy. It turned out to be the discovery of the world's largest diamond mine in history called the Gold Congo Diamond Mine, which is where the Queen of England and all of the royal court bought all of her diamonds because they were the purest diamonds ever known to man. There's not a purer diamond on the earth than the diamonds that come from this mine. They all came from the same place that was owned by the man who threw himself in the river because he couldn't find diamonds. But that man never understood that what he was searching for was right where he was living. He never realized he had been living in acres of diamonds. There's times in our life when we get in that same mindset, in that same frame of mind, when we look at some other person they say, well, I would be happy if I had their life. I'd be happy if I had that job. I'd be happy if I had that house. I'd be happy if I could drive that car. We're always looking way out there in the future thinking that the grass is greener on the other side, but we fail to realize that right where we're living, there are diamonds everywhere. We just can't see them. There's diamonds everywhere. We don't realize that we're living in the best days of our lives. I believe with all my heart that God has great things in store for our futures. And I believe that God orders and directs the steps of the righteous. But I believe God wants us to realize we are blessed right now, today. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It don't matter what you're facing. It don't matter what disappointments have come your way. God wants you to know you're a blessed person right now this morning in the midst of all your circumstances we're blessed and living in acres of diamonds well pastor how can you say that when everything around us lately has went wrong and we've fought all kinds of sickness and we've been through all kinds of battles how can you say that I can say that because I'm saved I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior and I'm living in his overflowing riches of his saving grace his mercy and his power I know that I can say that because of greater is he that's in me than what I'm fighting out there I know that God's in control that's the reason that I can come to that conclusion I'm not going to put my happiness on hold until I get something that I think is going to make me happy I'm going to enjoy my life I have a wonderful Savior 
I have a beautiful family. I have a wonderful church that loves God. I have a future and a hope because my heavenly Father has promised it to me through His Word. When He said in Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, and they're thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. God wants you to be hopeful this morning. But so many times we don't realize that we're blessed and that when we have to say to God, open my eyes to the wonderful acres of diamonds that we're living in. I've got news for you. You're blessed. If you can lay your head down at night and know that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, you're living in acres of diamonds and you're blessed. You're blessed if Jesus is your Lord and Savior because you have a God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but will be with you everywhere you go. You're living in acres of diamonds. I want to tell someone today, you've got to start enjoying your life now. You've got to start living your life because we're not guaranteed there's going to be a tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. So I'm not going to put off my joy. I'm not going to put off my happiness. I'm not going to put off living my life. But I'm going to live for God with everything within me right now where I'm at today. And I'm going to enjoy the blessings and the power of the Lord you need to realize you're blessed if you're here in service this morning and not in the hospital in an intensive care unit with tubes going down your nose and a breathing tube down your throat and a machine breathing for you you're blessed you're blessed I know two weeks ago I had a son in intensive care. Didn't know how it was going to turn out. I'm blessed. He's here in children's church this morning. I'm blessed. I got something to praise God about. My boy's alive. You have so much to be thankful for in life. And negative things want to steal that. The devil don't want you to be happy. You may be thinking, well, my situation's not the best and right now my life's in a mess and my marriage is on the rocks and the devil keeps telling me that the grass is greener on the other side because there's some young girl or young guy that you work with on the other side on the job that keeps winking at you. But what the devil didn't tell you is this. The reason it's greener over there on the other side is because there's a broken septic tank and they're making it look greener but it's really disguising the sewer of sin. That's what it's all about. He's a deceptor. It ain't really greener over there. So you might want to stay right where you are. You might want to just keep plowing in your own field. If you do this, God just might let you see some hidden diamonds that you never knew was there. The problem with this story is this. Somebody took the same plow, the same ox, the same land, and as they farmed it, they found diamonds. I've heard people complain that they've been dealt a bad deck of cards. Everything's been my life's been wrong. Everything's been backwards. I ain't never had a break in my life. 
But yet somebody could take the same deck of cards, somebody could take the same plow, somebody could take the same ox, the very same ox that you're married to, that you keep complaining about, and they could fix him up, and they could be happy with him, but yet we can't find a happy medium. We've got to get out of this rut of sitting around saying, I'm depressed, I'm defeated. We need to stop sitting around saying, I'm tore up from the floor up. I wish somebody would give me a break. I wish somebody could get lucky. I wish I could win the lotto. I got a newsflash for you. You won the lotto if you're a born-again believer and Jesus Christ is in your heart and you're saved and you got a house in glory waiting on you and you got the blessings of God in your life and the favor of the Lord is poured out on you and God's anointing you, and God's healing you, and God's ministering to you, you've won the lotto. When a diamond is being made, all it's being made, all a diamond is, is carbon. It's ugly. It's not attractive. Matter of fact, it would be easy to walk right by it and think it's just another rock because its beauty has not been revealed. But the thing that transforms it from just carbon is the heat, the pressure, and time. That's what creates a diamond. But we must keep in mind that God's timing is not your timing. If God has you in a holding pattern, then He's working on you, but it's not a waste of time because He's still molding you. He's still developing you. God knows just how much pressure and heat it's going to take to transfer to transform you from just a plain carbon rock into the magnificent diamond that is hidden inside of you. Don't always think that trials and challenges and pressures are always bad, but God may be trying to knock off the rough edges. God may be trying to develop you into a better Christian. He may be trying to bring you out to create the beautiful diamond that is in your heart. Don't run from your trials. Don't run from your challenges because anything you build in life that has any value is going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take a commitment. It's going to take a made-up mind that's determined not to run, not to quit, but is willing to trust God and to bring you out of the fire. You say, but pastor, you just don't understand how I feel. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my situation. I may not. I don't know all your details. But I'm going to tell you what God can do. This week, Wednesday morning, I'm sitting in my study in the parsonage. I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around what I'm going to minister Wednesday night. 
I'm trying to get my heart prepared. I'm trying to get my mind cleared. I'm trying to get focused that when I come in to teach that I can be direct. I can be compassionate. I can be merciful. I can be encouraging. I can be strengthening to the body and my people. But yet on the other hand, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about who can I call to hook me up with a place to go so I can get out of this mess. Who do I need to call? Do I need to call Brother Culpepper at the general office? Do I need to call Brother uh, our, our brother Hart, our overseer? Who do I need to call? I need to get out of this mess. Now, we're going to be honest. I'm being honest. That's how I felt. I'm sitting there trying to figure out all the contacts and the friends and the people I've known over the years that are overseers in other states and on boards in other places that knows more places than I do and I'm trying to figure out who I need to call. And about the time I'm sitting there contemplating all that, my phone goes off and it's my emails. When I looked at my email that came through, it was from Jensen Franklin. This is the topic and the first sentence of his email. Nelson, don't run from the pressure. Here's the purpose. There's going to be those days when you want to stay in bed. There's going to be those days when you're going to want to give up on the dreams that you feel like God put in your heart. There's going to be those days when you feel like you just want to walk away from it all because you just don't want to deal with it anymore. But in that process, God's purifying you. God's working on you. He's molding you into the beautiful diamond that God's trying to reveal and trying to bring out in you. God's trying to change you from just a rock into something of value. From just a rock to something of purpose and something that's going to change things. God's getting ready to show you just how much potential is on the inside. So many times I'm afraid we're like the words of Proverbs 17 and 24 when he said, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. There's so many people that are always looking away off, way out there saying, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that life. I wish I was in that position. But they never realize they're living in acres of diamonds right where they are. They need to have a spirit of thankfulness that says, Lord, I thank you for what I've got. I thank you for the place you've put me in right now. But the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4 and 11. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am, therein will I be content. Whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. I appreciate the Lord and all His blessings in my life. For this is the same day that the Lord has made. This is His day. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because He gave me another day. Because I'm breathing. Because I'm worshiping. 
I'm not going to wait for another day to come along that's more convenient with everything that's going on in my life. But I've chosen this day to rejoice even though there's things that are not perfect. Even though there are things happening that I don't like. I choose to worship God anyway even in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of controversy because I know God has got a plan for my life and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks anybody does anybody says it ain't gonna change what God's doing in Nelson Kimberly my future's not dictated by the opinions of people I have one short little story I want to share with you I'm gonna close Booker T. Washington tells a story of some sailors that was out to sea in the 1800s. They did not have any type of modern communications. They were thirsting to death. They had not had water for three days and they were hundreds of miles away from land and they were desperate. They had not seen any ships for several days so there was no one that they could communicate with, no one that they could hook up with. But one day they looked out and they saw one passing. So they sent a message to the ship knowing it was probably their last chance for survival. They sent a message using a flag saying, we need water. And the ship sent a message back saying, let down your bucket. So they sent another message because they thought the ship might have misunderstood their message. But there again, the ship sent back the same reply. Let down your bucket. And then the ship sailed out of sight, never to be seen again. Those desperate, thirsty sailors felt all their hope leave their heart as they watched the ship sail away. But after the ship got out of sight, the captain said, I don't know why they told us to do that, but let down our buckets. Let's give it a shot. We don't have anything to lose at this point. They let down their bucket. They let it fill up with water. They reached over and they pulled the rope back up to the side of the ship. They put the bucket there on a table. Right there, right then, they got a dipper out. They were expecting it to be nasty. Salt sea water. But to their amazement, when they took a big drink, it was cool, it was clear, and it was refreshing, fresh water. What they didn't know was that the vein right where they were at that moment was the Amazon River that's running into the sea. 
This river is the most powerful river in the world. It pushes the salt water out to sea for 200 miles. Therefore, everywhere in the vein, when it's coming in, is fresh water. It's not seawater. So right where they were was fresh water all the time. It was right there. All they had to do was just drop their bucket overboard and get a drink. That's all they had to do. It was right there. Their thirst could have been quenched. They were sailing in acres of diamonds and didn't even know it. The whole time they were thirsty, the whole time they thought that they were going to die, all they had to do was lower their bucket and take a drink. I want you to know that there's a river that's still flowing this morning. And it's called Jesus Christ. And that flowing river, he has the well of life. He can quench your thirst. He can deliver you. He can set you free. He can refresh you. He can restore the flow of his spirit in your life that the enemies tried to dam up. The Bible said in St. John 7 and 38, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God wants to put the river in us that we will let it flow out. All you have to do is let down your bucket. He'll heal your body. He'll restore your joy. He'll heal your family. And He'll refresh your soul. Because we're living in acres of diamonds. And we don't even realize it. 